Good morning again. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me back. I see the numbers are a little fewer today. And before we get started, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, you know our hearts. Lord, I know that just like myself, everyone here has things going on in their life, Lord. Lord, there's so much illness in this world today. Lord, I just pray that you will heal those that are sick. Bring them back into your house, Lord. And those that are listening uh, this morning out there, Lord, I just pray that you will touch their hearts, their minds, and their bodies, Lord, and, and heal our spirit, heal our nation, heal our land, Lord, that we might come back and be the people that you've called us to be, in Jesus' holy name, amen. Folks, I don't know about y'all, but I had a rough week. We've suffered some highs and some real lows, and then back to a high, and and, and just that quick, it was like a roller coaster that just popped us off the end, and Wherever we landed, we managed to be on our feet. And I don't know if that goes on in y'all's life often or not, but I don't think we're not typical. (laughs) I think the tests that we go through make us more persistent to chase after God rather than to chase after the things of this world. And if it doesn't, that's where we need to begin our focus. Uh, I'd like to have you turn to Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 16. But before you do, how many here, as you're turning, believe that our time is limited on this earth? Things are about to come to an end. If you don't watch the news, I don't really watch the news. I read the headlines and understand that this is something that our Lord has told us is going to happen. And folks, we're not promised that it's going to get better until we go home to be with Him. And, and this, these verses end in a question that we need to ask ourselves every day. How should we behave as we see that day approaching? You know, I'm not the only one that feels like we're, we're running down on time. The nuclear clock whatever that means, is closer now than it's ever been to detonation. But of course, fear is a factor that people like to use to get control and get their way. So don't be too upset about the things that come across the email or the mail or the news. God has got this. And, and we found out this week, we had a nurse call us and say, Kathy's got, and I'm going to tell, nodules 
in her small intestines, and she has a couple in her lungs. And she needs to see her GP now so that uh, they can do x-rays and CTs of her lung because there's some nodules in the lung also. Guess where we went in a hurry? To the bottom. From being way up here, praising the Lord that morning, reading the Word of God, and then all of a sudden, kaboom. So I call out the prayer warriors. We got an appointment. Uh, This was on Wednesday, I think we got the news. Thursday, we had an appointment with her doctor. Her doctor read the results, and they were absolutely upside down what we were told. Upside down. There are no nodules in her small intestines, because I looked that up real quick. Computer's amazing thing. It's not good to have nodules in your small intestines. And... and now, yes, she's got two little tiny nodules in the bottom of her lungs and, and said it's not uncharacteristic to have nodules in your lungs. If there's particles in there, the lung heals itself by encapsulating them. We're going to schedule another CT scan. But there's no nodules in the small intestine. God answered prayer. You say, well, how, how could that happen? Believe me, I'm glad it happened that way and not the other way around. But you, you understand that roller coaster, and we're on that roller coaster every day. Just that quick, things can change in a heartbeat. Well, our Lord said, here are some things in the four books of the gospel of what it's going to be like when I return. And and this one is not in my sermon, but it's Luke 18, the very last verse or the next to the last verse in one of those chapters says, And when I return, will I even find faith? That's condemning of our churches today. Will I find faith? Will I find anyone who believes in me? And as I I read on, I I read this, it says, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into your hearts, and in their minds I will write them. And he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will not remember. Now, therefore, I will not remember no more. It's very important. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Hold fast your confession. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh. And having a high priest 
over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. He, for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more the day as you see the day approaching. Folks, sometimes we just get lukewarm in our faith. And I'm going to go to that in a little later, but I want you to think about what lukewarm means. And now, I, 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 wrote, I read it from this, and then I'll, now... I would like to read it from the Amplified Bible. Wynn and I talked about how different it is and how much more sense that it makes. You know, New King James is a great version of the Bible. But the Amplified gives more definitions to those terms that we don't readily know. And it makes much more sense. And I know it's a lot of reading, but I'm going to try to do it again. In verse 16, he says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. What after the what days? Of His sacrifice on the cross. And on their mind I will inscribe them, producing inward change. He then says, And their sins and their lawless acts... I will remember no more. Meaning no longer holding their sins against them. Isn't that awesome? Think about it. All those things that we think we got away with. All those things that we did in the dark. All those things that are against God. Forgiven. Washed away. He's never going to remember any longer. Now, what about us, though? We have a tendency to roll them around in our head, don't we? Satan likes to throw them to us, too. Say, here, think about this one for a second. Remember that when? Yes. And on their mind, I will inscribe, I will imprint my laws upon their heart. And on their mind, I'll inscribe them, producing... An inward change. That inward change is the same one that Paul talked about. A transformation. I've had people come to the altar, pray a prayer, walk out, and never come back because they think they have their tickets out for salvation. And you never see them again. And when you do ever see them again, it's somewhere outside of the church, and they're just as lost then as they were when they walked down the aisle. 
You say, how can that be? Because if the Holy Spirit isn't accepted into your life, into your heart, you cannot be transformed because His laws are then on your heart all the time. And the Holy Spirit is reminding you of what you should and shouldn't do. Constantly reminding you. And your life becomes transformed. And guess what we're to transform into? The very image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you have to evaluate your own life. Am I being changed? Is my life different than the day that I I said, forgive me, Lord? Or am I what I used to be? Is the Holy Spirit helping you to transform? And on their mind, I'll inscribe them, producing an inward change. He then says, and their sins and lawless acts, I will remember no more, no longer holding their sins against them. Thank the Lord for that one. No longer. No longer are we guilty. And not because of anything that we did, but what Jesus did for us. And this covenant that God has made, I will remember the sins no more. Now, where there is absolute forgiveness and complete cancellation of penalty of these things, there is no longer any offering to be made to atone for sin. We don't have to go back and slaughter a lamb to cover our sins. Christ isn't going to come back to do it again. Once was enough. That's all was needed. And some of you are reading the Bible recap and doing that study. I'm doing it with Kathy. And as we look at Joseph's life, and you say, well, that's not where you're at, but that's where I'm at today. Joseph. Now, what smart guy would tell his brothers and sisters, y'all going to bow down to me. You're the baby. Y'all going to bow down to me. And then had another dream and says, Mom and Dad are going to even bow down to me. I said, why would he do that? You see, we don't understand the ways of God, but we do know that he had to get that family upset enough to kill him or throw him into slavery. He said, why? Because it was God's plan to save Israel. And you don't see it. They didn't see it until the day they walked in and Joseph identified himself to them. And Joseph became their Savior. Joseph. It's a lot like Joshua and Jesus. He became their Savior through this period of time. And he managed to forgive completely all that they did to him. Up that red line that we've talked about in that Bible recap, that red line of Jesus' blood, Noah, Moses, 
Joseph, Daniel. And he said, what you meant for evil, God used for good. And I'm sure Jesus said the same thing to the Hebrews. What y'all meant for evil, God has used for good, and I'm here to set you free so I can erase all your sins, and all you have to do is believe in me. Wow. Where are we sometimes? I missed that little thing all through my life. I've read through the Bible last year, same way I'm reading through, but I didn't have Bible recap. And I missed that Jesus was the Savior. That That Noah, just like an imitation of Christ, not Christ, but an imitation of Christ, all the way through the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. Therefore, believers, since we have confidence and full freedom to enter the holy place, the place where God dwells, by means of the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way which He initiated and opened for us through the veil, as in the Holy of Holies, that is, through the flesh, through His flesh. Now, in the old temples, they had an area much like this where everybody met out there. There's huge curtains here because up here was the Ark of the sac- ark of God. And in here, a priest went in one time a year to sacrifice blood offerings for all of those out there. And <laughs> they put bells on the bottom of his robe. Why would they do that? Oh, and they tied a rope to his leg too, by the way. Because if he was behind that robe and had any, that big curtain, and had any sin in his life, he would drop dead on the spot in the presence of an almighty God. And they would use the rope to drag him out. I don't know if I'd want to be a high priest that day. But as he tells about the way the the veil was ripped, it was ripped in such a way that man could not have done it. From the top to the bottom. To allow us, by the blood of Christ, to come enter in to the holiest of places, God's own heart. Look, folks, if that doesn't humble you just a little bit, you no longer need a priest to go in for you. You don't need a preacher to tell you you're you're in the wrong place or any of that stuff. The Lord's living within you once you've accepted Him. Let us approach God with a true and sincere heart. An unqualified assurance of faith, having had our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. For He who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to His Word. And let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another 
to love and to do good deeds. Not forsaking our meeting together as believers or worship and instruction as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. Why? Why would we need to be in church? You see, during COVID, we told our young people, you don't have to come to church, you can watch us. You can watch it up here, and, and that's, that, that, that's, that's good enough. We're, we're afraid. We're afraid of that disease, so we're going to separate. Who's the great separator? Who is the great separator? Who wants to separate you from the love of God? Who reminds you of all the negative and all this other is positive? All you can look at is the negative. Folks, our heart has to be transformed. We have to be changed. And we have to have faith in God that He is able to have every situation that has ever been a part of our life or ever will be. You know, a covenant is what Christ did with His blood. Created a new covenant. And the covenant now is is a binding agreement between individuals. And when made with God, He will always keep His bargain. Now, we as humans have a real problem with keeping our bargains, don't we? We, we we make promises we we possibly can't keep. But we don't need a high priest to offer up our sacrifices. Jesus has become our high priest and our king, our savior, our sovereign. And he promises to write those words of his covenant upon our hearts, in our minds so that we won't forget. You know, and and just like this week when we found ourselves in dire trouble, called out to Him and we called out to those that we knew would pray for us. That's the reason you don't forsake the gathering together. We hold each other up and as it, like in the Old Testament, it says iron sharpens iron. If you hang out in the pig pen, don't expect to be clean when you get out on the other side. When you have been made clean, stay with those that are clean. Don't mean, that doesn't mean that you have to separate yourself from the world. It's an impossibility. You can't do that. You're going to be in this world. But you don't have to live like this world because of what Christ has done. There's been an inward transformation. That transformation needs to become an outer transformation. People need to see Those folks are different. Those folks have something that we need. 
Now, if they come and they sit in your church and they don't see anything different than out there, there's nothing we need, they're not going to come back. I can get this in the world. That transformation has to be outer. We have to let others see that God has separated us and made us different. I love the fact that Jesus gives absolute forgiveness. Absolute forgiveness. Because I think about those things that I used to do, and I absolutely said, Lord, if I haven't, if I haven't asked You for forgiveness for that, and I have, I've asked Him to forgive just about everything I've ever done, <laughs> I still need it. I still need to know that that's part of that absolute forgiveness. And I get this question back from him. Is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for me? And then I get the Job speech. Where were you when I... (laughs) Mountains? Oh, here we got mountains. Ocean. You can go this far and no further. Where were you when I did that? God, there's nothing that He cannot do. And there's no covenant that He's going to make with us that He will ever break. He's never broke a one. Now man, on the other hand, we didn't do so good. But once you've accepted Christ, there's no more separation from God, the Heavenly Father. No more giant curtain to block the way. There's no other ritual that you have to do. Now, He does ask us one thing. Humble yourself. Humble yourself and come. Jesus has cast our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. So now come and, 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 and speak with me. You are that close now to God the Father. Hold fast to your confession without wavering. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.14, What? that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Think about that. What is doctrine? What's the Baptist doctrine? Do we believe in Jesus Christ as God? Part of our doctrine is that baptism is, a, is an outward showing of our obedience to Him. And we have to humbly come to Him to be saved. Jesus, my opinion is, Jesus and nothing else. Jesus and nothing else. No coming and having to... Somebody else pray for you. You don't have to have that. Nothing else. You don't have to speak in tongues. I don't care how many times they say it. You don't have to. It's never required to be saved. That poor man on the cross, when he said, remember me when you get into paradise, he said, today 
you'll be with me in paradise. Today, he didn't get down off the cross and climb into a baptismal. He said, but we have to do that. No, we don't have to do that. He didn't take communion. He was in perfect communion with the sacrifice. He didn't have to do those things because Jesus was there. And Jesus gave forgiveness on the spot. So when we start adding to His words with what we have to do, He's done it already. The death and resurrection of Jesus gives us confidence to enter the Holy of Holies. That we can be in Jesus' place with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All in one. Because once you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is offered as a gift to you. And that Holy Spirit is the one who transforms your life because it's Jesus living in you. No longer need any other relationship you have the Father and the Son. And he said, let us approach the throne. Now that we have that relationship with God, anytime, anytime you can go to God, He said, don't forsake the gathering together because as, as we read in Revelations 13, 14 and si- through 16, and Jesus was talking to John on the Isle of Patmos and He said, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, these things says the Amen, so shall it be, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot, so then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's a tough statement, Christians, because he was talking to the church. The church that had gotten away from being the church. You see, if you remember back to the day that you were saved, that immense feeling of relief and being cleansed and made whole and made in relationship with God. Oh, it was a mighty feeling, wasn't it? The Holy Spirit kind of run up and down your spine and and you just couldn't quit smiling. God is taking control. It's all over. I don't have to do anything else. But as time goes by, as things happen in our lives, as our, as our family takes our attention away from Him, and, and, and maybe even sometimes the church business takes us away from the love of God. And our love grows cold. You know what happens in a relationship if you don't talk 
to each other, if you don't talk to your husband or your wife or your children, what happens to that relationship? It grows cold, doesn't it? And I don't know about you, but I like my coffee hot. I like it hot. It's either going to be hot or it's got to be ice cold with ice cubes in it. Frappes. But lukewarm, I'm like Jesus. You can keep it. I don't even like it microwave because, ugh. We need to watch our hearts, to guide our, guard our hearts. Romans 13, 11, and 14. And do this knowing the time. And we've all agreed at the beginning of this service that it appears that our time as a world is drawing to a close. Too many things going on, just as Jesus had said would, Wars and rumors of wars, famines in many places, in many nations. And, and it's all happening, and he's, now it's high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night's far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in rivalry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Wake up, our salvation is nearer than we think. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we have a time of hymn of invitation, Lord, I'm inviting the church to come to the Holy of Holies. All that will to come and bow before You and say, Lord, restore to us what the locust has deceived, what the locust has tried to destroy. Revive our hearts. Revive our spirit within us. Lord, that we might be the church that You have called faithful and true. It doesn't matter what we think, but only what You are concerned with. Lord, change our hearts, our minds, and our souls. And if there's any that are lost this morning, I pray they don't wait. They don't wait another minute, another day, because so quickly things change in this world. There might not be that time. And for some of us, we're going to be called home. Lord, let us be prepared. Let us be ready. Let us be prayed up and filled up. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. If you feel led to come to the altar to pray for your church, to pray for that pastor that you're attempting to find and call, God has that person 
selected, He's picked out, and He will inform you and them who He is. Pray for Him already. Like you know He's coming. Because He is.